Yeah, I blame female pilots, you know, because taxiing is a lot like parking. Hashtag Women's History Month. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. This is episode 260. This week, we have a preview of the 2026 gubernatorial race. Governor Kemp giving us a back, a back a few crumbs, and we paid in. An update on the latest attempt to legalize sports gambling. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my co-host and partner in this, in this endeavor, Ken Pullen. Hey, Dave. How are you this week? I'm all right, Kenny. How you doing? Yeah, very good today. Very good. Yeah, you got some uh, got some uh, uh, golf in last week. Yeah, got some golf in this week. The weather was nice. Also, took my son to a concert last Friday night, and I had to look. I thought marijuana had already been legalized in Georgia because we were in State Farm, and it was just a cloud of smoke that covered the entire place. It was uh, very interesting uh, what was going on inside of the State Farm Arena. Yeah, I think I told you I went to a Tom Petty concert at uh, at the old Omni. Yep. And of of course, back then the only thing I could afford were the nosebleed seats, and it was yeah, it was it was. You go to a Tom Petty concert or uh, or any jam band or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, that's it's what pretty- this was. It, was. it was Billy Strings, and I sort of expect that stuff at Lakewood to to go on, but I was a little surprised at inside at State Farm. But hey, Georgia's become a lot more relaxed on marijuana, and especially the city of Atlanta. They don't care. And, I, and look, I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not saying that pot should be legal or illegal, but it's. But it the for the police, it's it's not worth busting somebody for simple possession. No, not at all. They've got more important things in Atlanta to spend their time on. Like now, people shooting wanna, fireworks at uh, officers. Yeah. Now, if you really want to see a security at State Farm lose their minds, light a cigarette. Oh yeah, you. They would have swarmed somebody smoking a cigarette. Yeah, the whole place smells like skunk ass, and that's fine. But so someone lights up a t- tobacco cigarette, he, he pulls out a Marlboro Red and sparks it up, and the whole place will lose its mind. <laughs> Alarms going off everywhere. So, speak, speaking of people losing their minds and alarms going off, Victor Hill was sentenced last week. Yeah, so Victor Hill was uh, charged with illegally retain- restraining detainees. And so these are people that are not charged with a crime yet, or they may be charged with a crime, but haven't gone down and been sentenced or haven't gone down in front of a judge and seen their day in court. He was restraining these detainees for hours on end. So he was uh, charged with that originally and found guilty. The prosecution wanted 48 months for that. And it looks like Dave, he got 18 months. You know, I don't, I don't know what threat he poses to the, the people now. He's disgraced. He's he'll, he will never have a post certification again. Uh, what's sad, and, and, and I don't mean that I really care one way or the other about Victor Hill, but sad when you, your entire life's work culminates into a point where you've lost everything. You probably yeah. paid everything you had on hand to, to get a lawyer. Yep, he, he's lost everything, and he was first elected back in 2004, lost uh, his re-election, won in 2012, so he's been in quite a while now, and I just remember 
always riding through Clayton County and seeing the Victor Hill signs up. I think he really liked to see himself on a uh, billboard and on a yard sign. So, yeah, I don't feel sorry for the guy at all. He was doing something to these detainees. It was really despicable. So not sad to see him go away for a little while. Well, in the at some point, he became so comfortable with doing this stuff, they just called it the chair. And if somebody if somebody wasn't complying the way he wanted or somebody he decided he was going to punish, uh, he would just say, put him in the chair. Yep, and his, and a lot of people in the office knew he was doing this also. But he was the man in charge, and I think they thought they couldn't speak up because of uh, they would be retaliated against. So good to get him out of there, get a new sheriff in town, and hopefully the new sheriff is is a lot better than the the old one. Yeah, and he and he held the title until until he was convicted, didn't he? Yeah, he did exactly. So he was now he had been suspended by the governor. Yeah, he was suspended by Governor Kemp a while back, but uh, yeah, like you said, you were definitely correct there. So yeah, he's he's been making a, a cashing a paycheck while sitting waiting for waiting for his trial. Yeah, and it was sort of like Jim Beck, if you remember, he was convicted or he was charged with a crime a few years ago. He was the over the insurance commissioner, and he collected his paycheck and insurance the entire time he was on trial, and we actually voted. If I remember right, Dave, we voted on a constitutional amendment last year to stop paying uh, constitutional officers their salary if they are charged with a crime while in office. Yeah, Jim Beck was an interesting case uh, in that I think his wife had was battling cancer, if I, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, <clears throat> so the insurance to him was was paramount. So he yep. drug his feet through the whole process to to allow her to get as much benefit out of as, as possible. Also, <clears throat> after looking at him, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to handle uh, prison very well. No. And I think where's uh, Victor Hill, where do sheriffs go to prison when they're convicted of crimes like this? I know they're not getting thrown into the penitentiary down in Jackson, Georgia. So are they going somewhere else out of state that, well, in the federal them? system, they can they obviously they can put them anywhere, but I I, I believe uh, that if there's a facility in West Virginia that they tend to put the elected officials and police officers in, because look, you, you can't you can't put Victor Hill in, in a Fed pen in Atlanta. <laughs> no, <laughs> you mean you you, you can't? I mean it, it, that's 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 murdering him. Yeah, that would be a recipe for disaster. So interesting, he's going up in West Virginia. I'll have to look into that more. That's uh, must be a place for it. Must be a pretty crowded place, also, with a lot of old elected officials getting in trouble here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the turd colony. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, well, good riddance, Victor Hill. Hopefully, we never have to hear his name again. Yeah, I think this will be it for the show for Victor Hill. I don't know, Blagojevich, whatever his name is, keeps popping up on TV. <laughs> I have seen that recently. He is, I mean, a little little different uh, profile, but yeah. So Stacey Abrams is not going to go away. No, she's not. So this is uh, an interesting story that popped up this week. She was speaking to a crowd of supporters. She still has a few of those left around the state. And she mentioned that she was uh, going to run for governor again in 2026. So I know there was a lot of Democratic gov- gubernatorial hopefuls that were really disappointed in that news. I think the Democrat Party of Georgia would rather Stacey 
in her political career at this point. So they could have more of the new up and comers run for governor in 2026. But it looks like we'll have Stacey Abrams running for governor. We'll see her all over the TV and more likely she'll be insulting more Georgians like she did in the last two gubernatorial races. Uh, the, the last, the last race was just absolutely awful. It was, she ran a <clears throat> terrible campaign. It is. Yeah, it's not it's not a Democrat Republican thing. She ran a horrible campaign. She is aloof. She's creepy, and Kemp handed her sizable ass to her. He did. Governor Kemp beat her what by eight points in the last. Yeah, election? something like that. Yeah, and, and he was fighting above his weight class. Yep. Um, you know, there's we see this a lot of times with, with politicians and, and, and those of us from on the outside kind of can, can call it sort of, sort of like, you know, it's a lot easier to pick out imperfections on somebody else. We, but we, I, we saw this coming from a hundred miles away. She was not going to be Kemp. It, it, uh, it, it was obvious by August. That and I don't, she, I don't think the Democrats could have ran anybody last year that could have beat governor Kemp, but she was the last person uh, that could have won last one last year. You know, um, I, I assume that she's grown up a little bit, but Sarah Riggs Amico, somebody like that, somebody with a, uh, a little yeah. less hard left. Yep. Uh, Amico is, is well-spoken, uh, comes, comes across genuine, she said some stupid stuff when she was running. I mean, it, you'd have to shake that out of her. But hell, that was what four years ago, five years ago. It was, and yeah, Stacy Stacy Evans, who is now in the Georgia General Assembly again, she lost to Stacy Abrams back in 2018. But she is a very moderate Democrat in the state house. She probably would have had a lot better chance of winning than, than Stacy Abrams. And it just it goes to show you with Stacey Abrams that I'm she's obviously not well liked outside of her close circle. She I thought she would have got a job with President Biden in DC. Obviously, they don't want her in Washington, DC, so she's trying to stay relevant in Georgia or, by or saying she, she's gonna run or again. Or she turned it down. Or she turned it down, but I can't imagine Stacey would turn down a job to be on TV quite often. So I'm assuming people just don't like her outside of you know, her, her, you know, her cast of characters that she hangs around with. You know, when she first ran, Jessica did an interview with her and we tend to villainize these people. And then, you know, Stacy came across wrong, but genuine. Yep. Uh, and, the, and the people that served with her in the house sort of say the same thing is we didn't agree, but she was always, you know, very nice, very personable, uh, got got along with people on the other side of the aisle, and I I think just getting in her into her echo chamber with uh, with Hollywood and people telling her how great she is, <clears throat> that I, I think that I think that that warped her her sense of reality. So when yeah, she I came totally back to Georgia, yeah, she came back to Georgia, and she was she was she's a different person. She's yeah, an she entirely great- different person she was four or five years ago. I heard her speak in 2018 and she had a very compelling story to tell about how her, she was brought up by her mom and her upbringing. And it was, it was a very emotional story. And the longer she stayed out there on a campaign trail and the more, like you said, she was surrounded by Hollywood 
and the hard left, the more that compelling story went away and the more she became more combative and insulting to a lot of people. I still remember when she said you shouldn't have to grow up in Georgia to become a farmer or work in the service industry. Well, farming is the number one industry in Georgia. She just insulted 25, 30% of the people in Georgia. So yeah, she should have stuck with a compelling story that she told back in 18 and not, and not, uh, not become what she did by. Well, and, and look, you're going to, the, the Republicans are going to have to find somebody to run. Uh, we can't have another Herschel Walker. And, uh, where, and where, where's Herschel Walker going, by the way? Is he completely Texas, just disappeared sure. from public view? I'm sure he went back to Texas. <laughs> no one's that's, heard that's, of that, him. That, that's been his home for the last 30 years. Uh, you know, I, I consider Georgia my home. I'm from Florida. I consider, I mean, I, I've, I've been here since uh, 90, 1990, end of 89, 90. Uh, and, you know, I've lived other places with the Army, but this was always, this was always my home of record. And you, you take the same thing. It's, it's, that's about when Herschel Walker got done with the NFL and lived in, has lived in Texas. Uh, he ran a horrible campaign. He was a horrible candidate. Uh, it's not that Raphael Warnock is an awesome candidate. It's that he, it's almost like Raphael Warnock made his entire career talking to people. Totally agree. And you know, the, the media, media wanted Herschel Walker to run against Warnock because they knew Herschel was a bad candidate. And I think you see a lot of that going on nationally now with, uh, president Trump, where the media really wants a rematch between president Trump and Biden. Because they think Biden can beat a can beat Trump, where he might not be able to beat one of the other Republican contenders. So, it's, well, it's very, I, and, and I call that the soccer mom uh, uh, contingent, contingency because it's the soccer moms. First of all, some of the stuff that Trump's been quoted or on a hot mic or something like that is what you and I consider locker room talk. Um. <clears throat> It's a, a a joke when you're playing golf and you're and you're at back at the back of the clubhouse and, and and changing changing shoes back back to to street shoes and all that stuff. Those are the type of jokes and things you say in the locker room. And I don't think that the, the soccer mom crowd is accustomed to hearing that because there's a reason we we call it locker room talk is we keep it amongst ourselves. Yeah, keep it in a locker room. Hundred percent correct. And I, I know I probably have more locker room talk than you do. <laughs> we were talking before the before the show, and uh, and uh, 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 apparently my youth was a lot different from your youth. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. We won't tell any secrets on the on the podcast today. <laughs> Lord, no! If I ever run for office, I'm going to take George uh, uh, W. Bush's uh, uh, view on it and discuss nothing before the age of thirty. Yes, exactly. I. I thought that was the the most honest way to do that. I'm not saying I liked everything the Bush did, but when he just said you can take all that crap, put it in a box, we're not talking about that. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about until thirty to thirty. Yeah, <laughs> I like the, that strategy. Well, one of the best things I heard was somebody was asking another elected elected official. He goes, "You know, what do I say when they look into my past about this, this, and this?" He goes, "F them, tell them you grew up." And what do they say? The average, I mean, the human mind st- uh, doesn't fully develop until 25. So it's, uh, I'll, I sort it's of like It's a little later than that for men. <laughs> it's 30 for men, according to President Bush. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, 
I I didn't really start growing up until until uh, my my wife forced me to. <laughs> Same here. Uh, wife and kids that'll force you to grow up very quick. Oh yeah, bills. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, exactly. so the, the Russians downed a drone over the Black Sea. Yeah, big story this week. So we've, we we uh, the U.S. flies drones. It sounds like over to Black Sea, where if you look at the Black Sea, it borders Turkey, Russia, Ukraine. You know, a lot of the nations in that area. So we had a drone flying over to Black Sea, a Russian jet buzzed by, poured some jet fuel, it sounds like, on the drone. And then they ended up shooting the, the U.S. drone down. So that was big news over in the, the Black Sea, Russia, Ukraine area. Just more escalation uh, in the war on in the, between the war uh, of Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Do, do you consider it provocative? Very provocative. You've got, uh, you know, obviously we need to differentiate the the of a drone versus a, a piloted aircraft. They never would have done this to a piloted aircraft. No, you're right. And there's just no way in hell. I mean, Putin's nuts, but he's not suicidal. Uh, no, he's not. And and we've you know we've talked about. I don't know if you've seen, but Ukraine, the President Zelensky continues to ask for fighter jets from the U.S. so they can have more air-to-air type combat. And the U.S. has been hesitant on giving more fighter jets, but we are starting to train the Ukrainian pilots in the United States to fly the F-16. So I, I'm assuming you're going to see U.S. fighter jets in the sky, not by U.S. pilots, potentially by Ukrainian pilots, but we're going to see fighter jets uh, in the airspace. between. And, you know, that's a problem. Um, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a dove uh, by the tradition, traditional uh, sense of it, but I'm also not a hawk. Right. You know, I, I don't want to go to war with Russia. I don't want to, I don't want to send, I don't want to be sending the 40 trillion or whatever it is that we, or 40 billion. Or that, that we've spent more in Ukraine per day uh, than we did in Afghanistan when you, when you I- average the time, the time over. And I think the number's up to $125 billion now in aid that has been given to Ukraine. The, the tough thing to me is I don't know where the, the – what is the end goal of this? Like, when is this uh, conflict going to end? Like, what are we trying to do? You know, if we're trying to – I just I'm – I'm really struggling with where does this end because it doesn't look like Ukraine's going to be able to take back their territory. It's sort of a stalemate. So where does this end? Or we just continue giving taxpayer dollars to Ukraine until – a certain point in the future. There are no good guys. Nope. Uh, and, and I'm talking about from the, from the global perspective on this, I'm not talking about individual. There are plenty of individual heroes, especially on the Ukrainian side. Uh, lots of, lots of heroes that, that, uh, you know, Americans that, that are over there uh, helping get refugees out and things like that. Uh, I heard that from the Fox news reporter that, got blown up. Everybody else in the car died. He lost a leg and a foot. Um, I guess he both, he lost both feet, but the, the, the leg on one of them, and he's got a book out that he's hawking, but his, but his stories about, about being rescued and pulled out and Hey, are you ready to go home? And, and, and it, was, it was mostly former intelligence people and, 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 uh, American veterans doing that. So that's, you know, that sort of stuff on the individual level, but globally speaking, 
Zelensky's not a good guy. No, he's not. And Putin's not a good guy. So what what are we really, like you said, what are we trying to accomplish here? Is it just to stabilize the lines? Because look, that that sort of proxy war does not work out for us. No, it doesn't. So yeah, that's the big part is where does this go from here? What are we looking at over the next two years? Or are we going to be in the same spot two years from now? And I don't see a lot of movement either way currently. Well, the Russian troops are much more poorly trained than we anticipated. Uh, most of us uh, around the world assumed that if Russia really put their troops in, they'd roll over Ukraine in, in a couple of days. And, and it's uh, been over a year now, and it still hasn't happened. So yeah, you're 100% correct. They were the Russian troops were a lot different than everybody expected. Uh, there's a line from uh, Hunt for Red October where the admiral says, this will get out of hand, out of hand quickly. It, the the war is so close to NATO's borders, and that that treaty is dangerous. Mm-hmm. If Poland gets in, ends up being pulled into it, I mean, we're contractually obligated to back Poland. And Poland said they were giving fighter jets to Ukraine this week, so it sounds like Poland is starting to get a little bit more involved in the in the war, uh, which is scary, right? I mean, we I've got teenagers, so I'm always thinking about. Issues like this, it could create a global conflict between uh, World War Three, basically. And this is a it's a dangerous we're in a dangerous time. Well, especially when you consider that World War One was set off by an assassination in Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knew who the hell Archduke Ferdinand was. Nobody had any clue. But that was that was the the the, be- the beginning of of what was a horribly bloody conflict. Um, on, on your, uh, things to watch, uh, uh, all quiet on the Western front was actually, was the, the newest remake. It's, it's been done several times, was actually pretty good at, at sh- kind of showing the, the, the horrors of world war one. Yeah. I've got that on my list to watch. I'm glad you brought it up. All right. So one car wreck to another, we got Jalen Carter sentenced to probation for reckless yep. driving. Yeah, so this was the wreck a couple months ago, Dave, up in Athens. At, if you remember, Chandler LaCroix and Devin Wilcott were killed in a wreck. Sounds like Jalen Carter was in another car, and they were racing high, spree, or high speeds, drag racing uh, situation. Jalen didn't cause the wreck, but he got charged with reckless driving. And just this week, he pled out to that and was sentenced, or just pled out to that and was put on probation. What's interesting to me on this is the NFL draft is coming up on April 27th and 29th. He turned himself in like a week ago. His entire case was uh, taken care of in a week, and it looks like it was just so it could fit into the NFL draft timeline. I don't know about you, but it's quick. We have a lot of people charged with crimes in Georgia, and sometimes it takes two to three to four years to get them through the judicial system. I'm not sure why this one went through so fast. Yes, you are. Yes, you know. You know. <laughs> you, you know <laughs> damn well why. NFL uh, money. Look, he, do I think that Jalen Carter's a bad kid? No. No. Uh, stupid, but we are all stupid at twenty-two. You know, I just got done talking about you know your brain. Your men's brains don't even mature until thirty. Women are about twenty-five because they're smarter than we are. Um, 
there's uh, he he was a stupid kid. I think he was racing a jeep. Of all of yeah. all the of all the vehicles that I might get into a drag race, a jeep is not one of them. Yeah, not a jeep, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, but I, I definitely feel for the the kids the kids that died. I, I'm sure that to their families, this is kind of a smack in the face. He I got popped for. It. Yeah, for obstruction, something with his windshield obstruct, obstructing him, and tent and reckless yeah. driving. Yep. And it sounds uh, now, like you know, Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart's been under a lot of fire lately for not really speaking up about what happened here. So it sounds like University Carter's, of Georgia and Kirby Smart has they've got to put some more rules in place uh, where this. Yeah, but type he's not. He's event. not part of the team. The, I know. But as, as soon as as soon as the clock hit zero to zero on the national championship, all those seniors and all the juniors who declared are no longer part of the program. Yeah, they're just gone at that point. I mean, they they're allowed to use the facilities uh, to to get for pro days and and stuff like that, but they're not part of the program. As at, for the the minute they declare for the draft, they become a professional. So I, it's not it's not that I'm I'm taking up for Kirby Smart or or any of these coaches. And look. As as much as you know, I think this is this thing's been rushed for convenience for for the young man. We both know that it used to be way worse in college towns. Like the the local sheriff knew who the who the team was, and if you got if you got popped for being driving drunk, they they take they take you back to your take you back to the to campus and drop you off, and you were you were looked after. Yeah, I mean, that happens so, in uh, high school towns with, with high school players sometimes. So, yeah, you're 100% right. They, they know who the players are, and there's a different style of uh, – a different way to handle those type of incidents. Yeah, and like I said, I don't necessarily think that Carter's a bad kid. He, uh, he did something stupid. Do I think he's guilty of vehicular homicide? Absolutely not. No, I don't either. Um, do I think it was the, the, the right charge and, and probably the, the, the appropriate response, 18 months or whatever it is he's on, he's, he's on, uh, uh, probation. Yeah. I think that's probably appropriate for any young man who, who does something that stupid. Uh, they, they didn't have him on anything else. Uh, he possibly could have gone leaving, gotten leaving the scene of an accident or something like that. But I, you know, uh, uh. The, the speed in which to have where he turned himself in, made bail, and got his sentence all all in two weeks. Yeah, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> exactly. All right, it's time for the giveaway. Kemp is giving away five hundred for couples and two fifty for tax and for individuals. Yeah, this is a bill that just got signed by Governor Kemp this week. So if you are a Georgia taxpayer, which is key, you had to pay into state income taxes in 2021 or 2022. If you filed as a couple, you'll get 500 back and you'll get about 250 back for individuals. Uh, this is uh, this is a handout. Gov- you know, the taxes came in at 32 or 33 billion this year, so there's some extra money in the in the piggy bank and the governor. Governor wanted to get some back. You know, Dave, honestly, I would prefer to never pay these taxes in in the first place. I think with the state that the Georgia economy is in, it would have been a lot better to just decrease the continue to decrease the income tax rate in Georgia from 5.75 down to either five and a half or five. Let's stop paying in the taxes. Why do we have to get them on get them back on the back end? You know, it's a sore subject. 
because I just got my tax bill. <laughs> Same. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a sore subject. I had to, this five hundred doesn't even scratch the surface of what I'm gonna have to write on the on the fifteenth of April. What I, I don't even know where the fifteenth lands this year. Uh, but I I I I pay in the last possible day because you know screw them. I do too. Uh, but there's yes. there's there doesn't seem to be any will individually when you when you talk to reps and your state senators individually they all agree yeah we'd love to get rid of the income tax and go consumption only um and and intellectually they agree with it but d- does it ever come up for a vote no no it never does when even when i was serving back in 2019 and 20 there was a there were a handful of representatives that wanted to get rid of the income tax rate and I think a lot of people campaign on that, uh, but it never comes up for a vote. So I'm, I'm not sure, uh, and I don't think it ever will. I think it'll continue being a campaign message. Uh, but in today's economic times, with Georgia doing so well, it would have been a great year to continue to decrease the income tax rate instead of handing back $500 checks. Uh, I wish we could move towards that. Yeah, well, look... <clears throat> It didn't work for Trump with all his COVID money that he sent out with his name on the checks. Uh, because I write a check for my taxes, uh, they actually had to mail my my check to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it actually showed up in an envelope. Yeah, it had his name on it. Um, there's a lot of good things that, that happened um, to help support small business during COVID. You know, one of which being uh, EIDL loans. You know, economic uh, disaster loans, which are a hundred percent paid back. The PPP was a was a a doo doo show. Yeah, that was but a mess. We talked about it last week. You cannot outspend a Democrat. You just can't. Not at all. You just you, you, if you give five hundred dollars a couple, there's going to be a Democrat going. I'd, I'd have done a thousand. If you do a thousand, they just said I did two thousand. Uh, it's it, it, and at no point will the Democrat that's giving all the handouts will say, you know, why are you giving these checks back to the people that make the most? Well, because we pay the most. Um, but it's you are not going to out Democrat the Democrats. Nope, you're 100 percent correct. All right, Kenny, what the hell is going on with the FAA and airlines right now? I don't know, Dave. As someone that travels quite a bit, I've been a little worried lately. There's been at least seven to 10 incidents lately across the U S where planes have almost collided. And most of this is happening uh, when they're coming in and taking off for, for a uh, landing. So it sounds I, like I, there's a big, I, yeah. Yeah. I blame female pilots, <laughs> you know, cause, cause, cause taxing is a lot like parking. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that approach. Months. Yes, I know. I don't, I don't think you can say that in March. <laughs> no, it's it, our infrastructure is so outdated. Uh, these these air these airports that you're talking about are like Burbank. Uh, not as much at ATL. ATL has uh, uh, is spread out where you've got multiple runways and things like that. But I think it has a lot to do with the infrastructure. And of course, uh, uh, Mayor Pete is is more concerned with the pronouns being used in the cockpit than actually flying. 
Yeah, he is. And Mayor, Mayor, Mayor Pete's a disaster. I mean, from the train derailments to the FAA situation, he's been a total failure on all these. Not that these are his faults, uh, but his response has just been very inadequate for everything that's happening at the moment. How do you F up DOT? How? How do you take the, the most obtuse department and screw it up further? I don't know. This is the guy that's uh, going to run for president when, uh, fairly soon here. So uh, he I couldn't win. He didn't win Indiana. I don't think. No, I think he I got mean, fifteen thousand votes for mayor of Indiana. So I think this guy is uh, he, he's way out of his league at this point. But this this FAA situation is concerning. So it sounds like there's going to be a big powwow in Washington where they bring the FAA and the airlines together and they hopefully get to the bottom of the situation. Well, what they're not doing is bringing in people. You know, my father works for the FAA. He's a uh, safety inspector uh, after retiring 40 something years with Delta. Oh, wow. Uh, and he, and he, he sees the memos that come down from, uh, from Pete's, from Pete's folks and other employees. And he just shakes his head. Uh, uh, with with some some of the stuff that they're concerned with is not within the job description. You know they're worried about about you know transgender cats, uh, and and not worried about safely landing planes. And I'm not saying that that within society we we shouldn't have a mechanism for dealing with uh, well honestly the mentally deranged, but transgender people obviously are people and should be afforded respect. But you, you've got to you've got to clear your field of fire before you move on to something else. And yep. their field of fire is making sure that people can get in the air and get and get down safely. Yes, I want the most qualified person uh, landing my plane, and that either the pilot or the FAA person talking to the pilot. They need to be the most qualified, and I don't care who they are; they just need to be the most qualified. No, absolutely. And uh, we lost a lot of pilots during COVID. Uh, these were guys that were, that were uh, on the bubble as far as retiring that split. They, they, were, they were close enough. The airlines were offering early outs. Because uh, obviously the most experienced pilots are also the most expensive to employ. Yes, exactly. Uh, so they were, they were shown the door. Uh, we we saw in December uh, Southwest just having a c- complete collapse. Um, and honestly, Sarah Live did a great skit on that. It's like it, you you bought a ticket on Southwest. It's kind of your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. The average age. I, I notice. I always look at the pilots when I get on a plane. And I've noticed the average age has come down substantially over the last couple of years where it used to be 60, 65 year old, typically guys flying a plane. Now you'll see a lot more, you know, late twenties, early thirties, uh, men and women in the cockpit. So the, and not blaming them on these near misses, but the, the entire industry has gotten a lot younger over the last couple of years. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people that, that took early outs, uh, uh I actually know a couple people that that fly for Southwest, and and I I, I do rib them about that, but you know that <laughs> they keep paying the bills. Yep. Uh, 
I story of two pilots. I, I've got one that I that I fished with. Um, was addicted to women. I think three or four ex wives. Uh, he had some nice stuff, but I mean, the majority of his paycheck went to alimony and child support. And I got another who married his high school sweetheart, and the uh, it, same rank, about the same amount of time at Delta, both international captains, uh, and. He lives very, very well because he doesn't have the ex-wife dragging him down. But, but yeah, I think a lot of people just walked away from the industry. Uh, and, it, you know, the military used to be a big feeder for airlines, and I don't think it is as much anymore. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, this is a good time to remind you these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at georgiavirtue.com. All right, you got some personal friends as the Mules of the Week. I do. So my Mule of the Week, and it's actually going to be two people, is going to be Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones and Senator Brandon Beach. There was a bill that came up in committee yesterday, House Bill 237. It was introduced by Representative Lisa Hagan from Lyons, Georgia. She introduced this bill in the House. It got through the House before crossover, so now it's in the Senate committee. And last night, Senator Brandon Beach make, uh, created a committee substitute, which means he took her bill, which which was basically designating Lyons, Georgia, as the official soapbox derby of the state of Georgia. So Lyons, Georgia is going to be the official soapbox derby city of the state of Georgia. It's a very simple bill, one that was flying through. Senator Beach, with the backing of Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, created a committee substitute and stuck sports betting in. So they tied, so they took her bill, which was focused on soapbox derby, and they plucked in a sports betting bill, tying it to the Georgia lottery. So this was a big outrage in the committee. You had Republicans and Democrats wondering where this came from, but it was a concerted effort from the Lieutenant Governor because he is a sports betting proponent in Georgia. It was him and uh, Senator Brandon Beach getting together and curating this substitute, hoping it went through. I think this is dead on arrival. It sounds like this really pissed a lot of people off in the committee. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, but you can tell wh- what their, where their minds are, especially Lieutenant Governor. He's a big horse, ga- or horse racing fan, and he wants to get sports betting through Georgia. I'm not a fan of animal racing, um, being an animal lover, uh, for, for every thoroughbred that is, that is babied, uh, like we see with the Kentucky Derby and things like that, the small, the smaller tracks, the aqueduct in, in, in New York or, uh, places like that, the, the, the races that happen three times a week, a lot of those animals are not particularly well paid, cared for. Now that, uh, is that the role of government? No, not really. Uh, it's also not the role of government to play the bookie, and what he's wanting to do is is play bookie. Is you if you want to put, if you want to throw away a hundred dollars and bet on the Falcons, uh, they'll they'll take your money. With it, look, nothing gets more fair than going through a sports book in Atlantic City or uh, Biloxi or Vegas. Uh, it's called handicapping. Yes, the house has an advantage, uh, but you know that as as a as someone who sports bets. 
Yeah, I, I don't. Well, I don't want the governor to be uh, the local bookie, right? And that's what that's what we're trying to do in Georgia is take the government and replacing the local bookie that is taking your bets on games, and that is not a role of government at all for the for the, uh, the state government to be your local bookie to take your bets. Uh, and, and nor do I want my tax dollars going to pay out bets when other people win. This is a huge. Uh, this is a huge problem in Georgia. They, if, if we want sports gambling in Georgia and we want it to pass, let private companies come in and set up shop in Georgia. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If you are a principled person and you say, I, I believe that adults have a fundamental right to do with their money with what they want, I'm with you. Then you would just remove those sections from the code. And the way it works now, unless you have a VPN, and most people have a VPN, um, you are you have a block trying to sign into Caesars.com or whatever. Bar, I think it's Barstool doing their own thing with Dave Portnoy. Yeah, um, they are. So you you're blocked based on your location of being illegal. Just you just remove that. But no, that's not good enough for these a holes. They they've got to they have to dig in and figure out how we can how the state can take money from people. Let me tell you something: the people playing the lottery, for the most part, are not the people who can afford it. I've always said the lottery was the biggest tax on uh, you know people that can't afford it of anything in Georgia. So I'm not a fan of the lottery either. Yeah, go into a to a sack of suds. You know, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about Quick Trip. You know, the the other, but there are gas stations and convenience stores that are nothing but casinos. They've got the they've got the video machines in the corner that you can play to to get a to get a gift card, and they sell scratch offs. And just look around, and ask yourself: Do these people look like they can afford to drop five hundred dollars a week on gambling? And and. From my experience, the answer is no. Doesn't mean I'm against gambling. I'll go to I'll go to Vegas. I'll go. I'll, I've never been to Atlantic City, but I've I've been to Biloxi, Vegas, uh, Reno, uh, places like that. I'm not against gambling. Uh, I I I was a, a I played in the poker clubs and stuff around town before they all started getting robbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't consider poker gambling personally. It's uh, it's educated wagering. Yes, I agree. But it's but it's uh, 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 yeah, getting the state involved. That's that's too much time on on a uh, on a mule. Let's talk about something <laughs> fun. SVB Bank fallout. This is Silicon Valley Bank. It was all over the news last week. Uh, they finally filed for Chapter Eleven on Friday. But who are they yeah, bailing out? Uh, obviously, the rich people. So Silicon Valley Bank was uh, banked at a lot of fintech companies, startup companies, venture capital uh, owners or owners of venture capital firms banked at Silicon Valley. And what you traditionally see in a bank is FDIC limit is 250000 You typically see most of a bank's customers are below that $250,000 limit. Silicon Valley, 80% of their customers were greater than 250. So when they had financial issues last Friday and there was a run on the bank, 
it created a huge uh, a huge issue for let's be honest a lot of uh, very rich people in the United States which including including uh, the the best hair in California Gavin Newsom yeah including the governor of California which had three companies that uh, had money at Silicon Valley Bank so he's praising the the bank bailout on one hand and then he's got companies that are benefiting from the bank bailout yeah, he owns several wineries. His wife has a charity. Silicon Valley Bank donated, I think, $100,000 to her charity, to his wife's charity. <laughs> Look, it, it's like pulling teeth to get, to get you know, a couple thousand out, out of a bank for, for Shepherd's Rest, with the, the women's shelter that, uh, the, on the board. I, I board, sit on their board. It's, it's hard enough getting that out of, out of local banks. And, and these folks have got a hundred grand to drop, to drop with the governor's wife. Trust me, that wasn't just because they like the work she's doing. Yep. I agree. And then, you know, part of the, part of the problem that this or part of the reason this problem existed in the first place is Silicon Valley had uh, put a lot of money up in very low interest bonds. And as soon as the interest rate started creeping up really fast at five, 6%, those investments became negative really quick. And then some of these fintechs and venture capital guys realized it. Hey, we want our money out of this bank. And you had a bank run. So this well, you gotta, been, it's been a scary time over the last week for banking in the United States. Well, you have to realize most banks are borrowers. Uh, when we talk about the Fed funds rate, and we, we talked about and when we talk about what Jerome Powell does, that's the rate that banks borrow from the Fed. And that sort of lending is done daily. So you, you take all the deposits you have on hand, and then if you have a shortfall, you borrow from the Fed. And that's the rate. <clears throat> when money was basically free, when Fed fund rates was almost zero, uh, you get in, especially with venture capital or, I mean, look, just take, take your car loan. Uh, you buy, you buy a, a new car. It's at 60, sometimes 72 months. Uh, and if you bought in 2020, your interest rate was like two. Mm-hmm. Well, but the banks were, were were borrowing for nothing. Every certificate deposit is is the bank borrowing money from you. Every checking account, every savings account is the bank borrowing money from you and using it. It's the old Jimmy Stewart. I don't have your money. It's in Bob's house. It's in Jim's <laughs> house. So you have all these these. Uh, uh, these assets out there that are out there at two and three percent, and now the 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 cost of borrowing money to cover that is twice what what you, you're you're getting back in return. Uh, Jerome Powell didn't help this, and Janet Yellen will not admit that government spending causes inflation. No, she won't. I saw her this week say the same thing. She won't. She refuses to admit that. So what do we have to do to slow inflation? Raise raise interest rate, and the Fed has has been bringing them up so fast that these banks haven't had a chance to pivot uh, to to add to their portfolio. People are so used to borrowing for a new house at at, at two or three percent that when when you go house shopping, you find out that your mortgage will be six or seven percent. People are people are it, it, that's the desires for to slow that down. It also means these banks can't get new assets to to fund their bottom line because people aren't borrowing money at that rate, which is what the Fed friggin' wants. And now the Fed comes out and says, we may slow our, our increases and crash the damn bond market. 
I mean, crashed it. Yeah, I don't know who's in charge. It sounds like a lot of children are just guessing about how to how to keep the ship. Well, yeah, you beat me too. The there's right no grown up in the damn room. There's no grown up in the room going, hey, hey. You, you. And look, when Powell has been raising rates like crazy, I said he is not letting the effect of each raise go really be seen in the economy before raising it again. So we don't know if it was the first three quarter, the half that just happened. We don't know where that number is because they're meeting quarterly and every quarter they're bump, bumping the rate and the economy doesn't react that fast. No, it doesn't. Uh, it's sort of like taking one vitamin and going, why the hell am I not healthy yet? <laughs> uh, he, he, does, he, doesn't let, he doesn't let any of that sink in. And now we're seeing with uh, SVB, we're also seeing it, Signature Bank. Uh, there's a couple others that are in trouble. First Republic <sighs> Bank is another one in trouble. Yeah, First yep. Republic. And what, what we're seeing is we're seeing these, these, these talking heads go on. And, I, and you and I were trying to struggle to find his name, uh, Mr. Wonderful or whatever, that, 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 that Shark Tank. I've, I've, never, I've never watched an episode of Shark Tank, but I know who he is. But he was on, he was on uh, Stuart Varney's show saying, I won't, I, I'm putting all my money into the, into the, to the uh, mega banks because they're the only ones that are safe. You put that a-hole on TV saying that, and it doesn't just affect the people that that have have above two hundred fifty thousand in the bank. Your average depositor hears that and says, "He's a he's a billionaire," and he says, "I should take my money out of these banks. It's going to cause or uh, it's going to cause it's problems gonna, with them. It's going to cause a run on the local and community banks also." Yeah, who the, it, government, who the government would never bail out if there was a problem. And people don't understand how FDIC works. Two fifty, right? Two fifty is per entity. And when I say per entity, you have one, you have 250, your wife has 250, you guys together, 250. Your joint account that has uh, your son as beneficiary, 250. Your joint account that has your daughter as a beneficiary, 250. So it's not a hard limit. It's it's based on how you structure your your deposits. so when people say, "Well, I have over two hundred fifty, well, that's not that's not necessarily a problem. We just have to structure your profile differently. Can you tell my backgrounds in banking? <laughs> yep. So we have uh, real quick Georgia Bill one forty, the transgender bill passed the House. That's uh, Cardin Summers. Yeah, just real quick on this one, well, because there's still I think a lot of uh, movement on this bill, but it's uh, it's a bill that prohibits sex reassignment surgeries for children under 18 and prohibits hormone replacement therapies. I've heard from people on both sides of the political aisle uh, last night and this morning, you've got liberal Democrats are upset at this. You've got social conservatives mad. Liberal Democrats think it goes too far. Social conservatives think there's too many exceptions in the bill, but this is following a trend by Eight other states right now. You've got Arkansas, Alabama, you know, Florida, Mississippi, and others that are banning, uh, you know, transgender type operations and puberty blockers on minors. So we'll have to keep. We'll have to give the audience an update as the General Assembly winds down. There's another week or so left, but it'll be interesting to see if this bill makes it to the finish line in its current form. Yeah. Well, here's here's the deal. Uh, one of the exceptions that I, that I read, and I don't know if this has been corrected or not, but it says for children at risk for suicide. 
Well, the doctors say all transgender children are at risk of suicide if they don't get this 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 surgery. Um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's who has a child who's who's questioning that stuff, and he and I were talking, and and, and he and I are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, which is fine. I, I can be friends with people <laughs> that, that <laughs> same here, me too. Yeah, so I mean, my yeah, best yeah. friends are on the other side. Yeah, it's 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 amazing when you don't talk about politics all the time that you can talk about family and friends and and, and, and joke around. Just life in general. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but he and I both agree, and he got this from obviously us. We came with the same number that none the surgery shouldn't be done before the age of twenty five. These kids don't know what they are. I agree. It's too it's too soon to be, and I know this is a strong word, but kid. Kids should not be mutilating their bodies uh, before they can understand what that's going to mean long term. And that's what these bills are. And what, what's happening here is there's been a big push on the transgender community over the last couple of years for, you know, you see drag shows a lot now. You see transgenders really trying to push their way into society and change a lot of things and thinking of how, how stuff works. And now conser- social conservatives are pushing back. And that's what you're having with this bill is a pushback against the transgender agenda that's come out over the last couple of years. And look, I don't care about drag shows. The, uh, do I think that you need to have a sexualized performance in front of children? Absolutely not. And that goes, whether it's drag show, it's a straight show. I mean, I don't want, you know, three girls from tattletales going in, in their, in their work garb, um, you know, the giant stripper heels and stuff like that, reading books to kids either. Um, if you were to replace drag queen with stripper, I mean, people would lose their ever loving minds. They would. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it, for one thing, the, the law doesn't do anything. I, I, from, from what I've read, it just doesn't do anything. I'll, I'll, the, the, they just need a psychiatrist to say, and there's plenty of them that this child is, is extremely depressed. And if, if, uh, he or she doesn't get the, uh, the, the life affirming surgery, that's their words, not mine. That they'll kill themselves, and that's what exactly. that's what parents are threatened with. Their the parents are told that if if you don't go along with this, you know, this, your your child's going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. All right, I did want to get to this one. Uh, here's a curveball: no more taxpayer funded junkets. <laughs> yeah. So if you remember, late last year, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, who was on his way out. And Senator Butch Miller, who also ran for lieutenant governor, they had a couple months left before they uh, left the Senate, and they took a contingent of people to Europe for a taxpayer-funded junket. They called it economic development, but it was a 14-person delegation that went to Europe, met with different countries, cost Georgia taxpayers over $110,000 that we can document. Lieutenant, du- Lieutenant Governor Duncan also went to the beach with his personal details, security detail down in Florida about a week before he t- left office. So the Senate is now trying to eliminate these uh, junkets. Uh, they're basically passing a bill that says you can't take any out-of-state travel that's paid for by the Senate within six months of leaving office. Hey, I think this is a good bill. You don't need someone leaving office and going to Europe and spending taxpayer dollars. Uh Look, there are legitimate reasons to to go to Europe. Uh, the governor was in Davos. Very legitimate uh, reason. Yep. Yeah, and and he does he does bring 
business back with him. He also didn't spend two weeks. He flew in, uh, shook hands, uh, uh, did what he needed to do, and was out. I, I, I don't. I don't know if he was on the ground for two days. But he went in. Yeah, it was in and out quick. You're right. Yeah, you, you go, it, it sort of like when when you travel for business. You know, you're not building an extra day to go to a Cubs game. It's like, no, I'm, I got to fly to Chicago, have this meeting, and get the hell out. And because it's not a vacation. Uh, and look, I have no problem if these individual senators had their two days that they needed to be there for meeting with, with executives or meeting with other countries. And then they want to pay out of their own pocket to stay. That happens all the time in business. If you have a meeting, you know, in Florida, uh, uh, you may, uh, do your meeting Thursday, Thursday and Friday, instead of flying home, have your wife and kids meet you and go and, and go to the beach. Uh, that sort of stuff happens all the time. Cause it's, it, once you're off the company time, uh, you're, you know, you, you essentially clock out and then you're spending your own money. And that's not apparently what happened here. No, and I think, look, I think there's a, I think you get probably 90% approval or 90% of people in Georgia would say they've had enough of Lieutenant Governor, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Uh, I know he's got a cushy job with CNN now. This bill is a slap at him. Uh, good bill. I hope it passes and good riddance. To Jeff Duncan. I mean, we've heard enough about him playing baseball at Georgia Tech, and uh, this taxpayer junket just sort of ended his political career in Georgia on a very sour note. Yeah, look, I don't care. I don't. I don't. I'm, I, I. I am a sports fan. Um, you know, Matt Lowe, who was co-host before, is not Jessica. Jessica, when she did one of her podcasts, uh, it's called "In the Strike Zone." Had to have somebody come out and I think make sure she had the right grip on the ball because I was impressed when I saw the picture of it. So <laughs> yeah, you actually know how to hold a hold a baseball. She's uh, someone had to show me. Um, I've, I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge Braves fan. I'm a, a, a huge football fan. But having having played for Georgia, well, one I'm a Florida fan. Doesn't <laughs> I don't really care. But it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me what you did. Uh, I saw Brian Kilmeade uh, uh, interviewing Ron DeSantis and where they do the interview on a baseball diamond. And uh, they started throwing the ball to each other because uh, uh, DeSantis played for Yale. It's just, it's just so disingenuous to me. <laughs> it is. Because they're, they're in suits. They have no ties on, but they're both in suits, suit jackets, suit pants, shirt tucked in. And out throwing the ball like they're just some a couple friends out in the neighborhood throw throwing the ball to each other. It's just so damn disingenuous. And 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 look, I'm a Ron DeSantis fan, but when they do stuff like that, I'm just. On, on a quick side note, uh, when he told his mother he was he got a full ride to Yale, she says your grandfather's gonna be disappointed you're not going to Notre Dame. <laughs> I haven't heard that. That I mean that's that's hilarious. I mean he, he he's going to the he went to the Ivy League. His grandfather's mad he didn't go to Notre Dame. That's Not that Notre Dame's a bad school, but if you get a full ride to Yale, you go. Uh, no doubt. So on that bit of advice, for any of you out there, they're, they're sitting on an acceptance letter from Yale. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, like and share us on social media platforms. 
Of course, you can find this stuff and other stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. Big thanks to, to Jessica for continuing to support the show, even as she stepped back. Big thanks to Eric Cumby, our editor, who takes absolutely awfully awful audio and turns it into something you can listen to. And, of course, my part of this endeavor, Ken Pollan, who is, was really pulling the weight this week. Because I, I, I pulled up the outline, expecting to have to have to write it last night. Like, huh, Ken's been busy. <laughs> well, enjoyed it today, Dave. Good show. All right, brother. We'll, we'll talk to everybody next week. Yes, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Catch me howling at the moon